Amen. Thank you, David. Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning. And as David just prayed, uh, we are going to be looking at the topic of adoption. It is Orphan Sunday. And, uh, and so first and foremost, what we want to look at today is our adoption and what that means to be adopted, what God has done to adopt us. And then from there, begin to ask the question, what does this mean for me and my family in terms of engaging, caring for orphans in our culture and society? So that's where we're going today. So you're not surprised. Uh, we're going to start in Galatians chapter 4. And while you turn to Galatians chapter 4, I'm just going to brag about the church for a minute. Um, I'm so overwhelmed with gratitude um, for you. And what I mean by that is first and foremost, the work that God is doing in you. These amazing redemption stories that just won't quit. Story after story where God is active, active in your life, bringing healing, bringing light, bringing hope, bringing restoration to your struggles and the way that those stories just keep going. I'm so honored to be a pastor of this church. Um, if you're visiting with us, my name is Jason. I do have the honor of serving as the pastor of this church. And if I haven't met you, um, it would be a, a great honor for me to get to know you. And so if you on the way out would have time, just introduce yourself to me. I would really appreciate that. But more important than who I am, you're surrounded by an amazing church family, a family that loves Jesus uh, more than they love themselves. And it's obvious by the way they serve and care for one another. Um, just overwhelmed by the way um, you love one another uh, in tangible ways. Everything from, from giving up sacrificially to make sure that financial needs are met from family to family within the church. Um, those of you who showed up for the workday yesterday in just a tangible way to work hard, uh, to take on sometimes frustrating tasks, um, and, and ultimately not for the task's sake, but for the glory of God and just to love one another well. Um, so... I just want to give you kind of an overview of a couple things. First of all, ladies, this is Women's Ministry Week. So this Wednesday night, 630 in this room, I uh, want to make sure you're aware of that. You want to be a part of what God is doing there. Um, our Christmas store coming up in December, the, 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 uh, the presents have been rolling in. You may have seen people carrying presents to the tree in the back and maybe not sure what that's about. Um, we're collecting gifts so that we can put on a Christmas store for families in need in our community. Um, we've got two weeks left to get those in. There's still names on the tree. If you want to get involved in that, you can grab one of those and find out more information there. Um, just, I could just spend my whole time this morning talking about all the amazing things that God is doing. Uh, we're wrapping up a 10-week marriage class right now, 10 o'clock service upstairs in the youth room. Uh, we've had between 50 and 60 folks get involved in that. And those are, those are real marriages that I believe are being radically transformed uh, by God. And, and they wrapped that up this week. And so um, we're going to be making room for more people in our services starting next Sunday. Um, our overflow chairs are just going to stay out. Um, and we're excited, even though we're rolling into the holidays and things tend to kind of slow down in, in the church world, things seem to be ramping up. And so we're excited about all this and all that God is doing in our church. So... Today, we're going to be talking about uh, adoption, about orphan care. Um, it is Orphan Sunday, but that is not the primary reason we're talking about it. That's the reason we're talking about it today. But we're going to be talking about orphan care and caring for those who don't have parents because first and foremost, it is near and dear to God himself. Now, in the Old Testament, we only have three accounts that I can think of of adoption. You've got Moses, pretty popular example, Esther. Um, you've got a, another person by the name of Genabath. You've probably never heard of Genabath. Genabath was adopted. 
But more than just examples in the Old Testament, we have these beautiful depictions of the heart of God to be a father to the fatherless first and foremost. As early as uh, Deuteronomy in your Old Testament, uh, we read this about God, that he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. This is God's heart for those who are in need. We read in Isaiah that as God's people, we're to, in chapter one, verse 17, we're to learn to do good, to seek justice, to correct oppression, and to bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. In the New Testament, James chapter 127 says this, that a, that a pure religion is this, a religion that is pure and undefiled before God, before God the Father is this, visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And so we know from the scriptures clearly that God the Father is a father who loves those who, who don't have parents, who are afflicted by their situations, whether it's poverty um, or it's simply being an orphan and not having a home. Um, we know that God cares for uh, the widows, those who don't have family members to help take care of them. But then we also know that God calls us then to action of some sort. So we're gonna end today talking about action, but we're gonna to start today from Galatians chapter four, looking at God's heart for us. So starting in verse four of Galatians four, we read this, that when the fullness of time had come, that's God's way of saying at just the right moment. So at, at just the right moment, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now, in the church, the idea of adoption seems to be um, sort of a, a side project at best to where if the church is keenly aware of the need and maybe there are a few families who are engaged in adoption, occasionally you'll hear little bits and pieces about adopting as a, as a reflection of God's heart. But, but at best, it seems to be kind of a side project, something that we add on to what we do. What we're going to see today is that adoption is actually the very heartbeat of the gospel. Matter of fact, in what we just read, starting in verse 4, God sets forth a series of events, doesn't he? He sends forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that. Those two little words, so that, are huge aren't they? This is the reason why God set in motion sending his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that, so that we might receive adoption. Now, all of a sudden, adoption is not a side project in the church that affects a few families. Every Christian has been impacted by adoption. And what I hear in this text is that adoption is not just one of the benefits we have in Christ, it's the primary benefit that we have in Christ. And I would make the argument, it is the thing that God is after. 
So we think about all that we have in Christ. Okay, we think first of all about forgiveness of sins. It's huge, right? We've been saved from our sins. We think about the hopelessness that we, that we knew when we didn't know God and the sense of darkness and despair and lack of direction, lack of purpose, and we've been saved from that. We've been saved from sins, we've been saved from darkness and despair, hopelessness, shame and guilt. Before we encountered Christ, we had nothing that we could do with our shame and guilt but suppress it and hide it and pretend like it wasn't there. And yet it continued to haunt us, right? At very unpredictable moments, we were reminded how unworthy we, we are and how, 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 how much of a failure that we've been in our lives. Then we encounter Christ and we get saved from those things, the shame, the guilt, the rejection and the brokenness. We've been saved from these things, but what have we been saved to? Forgiveness, freedom, eternal life. And here's what God is saying through this text. That's absolutely true. And all these things are true for you so that you could be adopted. God doesn't just want church members. He doesn't just want people walking around on earth with t-shirts that say, I'm a Christian or I have the sticker. I got the fish stick figure on my car. What God is saying is, I want you to be my sons and daughters. That's why I sent my son. That's not a side project of the church. That's not just what I do for a few of the faithful Christians. That's what I am doing for every Christ follower so that you may be adopted. If you want to take notes with us this morning, we put the sermon notes in the seats in front of you. And here's where I want to start this morning. Adoption is the heart of the gospel. It's penultimate. It's the climax of the gospel. It is the main thing God is doing for you. Adopting you into his family. Saying to you who are not naturally his child, you are now my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. Adoption is a complete change in identity. This is why we, we read in the Bible that we've been saved from death to life. We've been born again. The old us has passed away. We're walking in a new life. Why do we say those things? Because we've been given a new identity in Christ. What's that new identity? I am now a son of God. That comes before my role as a husband. That comes before my role as, as a father. That is primarily who I am. It comes before my role as a pastor, as a friend. You strip everything away in my life, I am first and foremost a son of the Most High God. And if you're a Christian, that is true for you. Now, what we're going to look at from this text is what does that fully mean to be adopted by God? And so first and foremost, we're going to see it in this text. You're going to see it all throughout the Bible that adoption is the choice made by the adopter. It's the choice made by the adopter. Who initiated this? Who sent? God did. This wasn't a reply to people here on earth saying, God, we need to be fixed. This wasn't a reply from God the Father to people here on earth saying, hey, we've got an idea. Why don't you send your son down here to live perfectly among us, to die for us, to save us and redeem us, and then in the end, we could just be part of your big family. Wasn't our idea? 
You, didn't, you and I didn't initiate that. God the Father sent forth his son. Adoption is initiated by the adopter. Another thing I want to point out from this text is this. Adoption is costly. Adoption is costly. And I mean three things by that. I mean it is expensive. I mean that it is inconvenient. And I mean that it is uncomfortable. So just think about that in terms of Christ. What price did God pay to adopt you? Have you thought of it that way? What price did God pay to adopt you? We just read it. He sent forth his son. That's the payment he made. He sent forth his son. Now think about that. What did that mean? It meant that Jesus, for a moment in eternity, stepped down from what was rightfully his. The right hand of God the Father seated on his throne in authority. He stepped down from that into a plan that God initiated. What was that plan? Not only to step into human form to become like that which he created, but to be born as a baby? I mean, Paul's pointing that out. Born to a woman. Like, that's a big deal, right? For God to say, listen, here's the humility of my heart. I am going to be born from a woman. Now, I know here on earth, y'all think that y'all are a big deal, but that's a big deal for God to say, I'm going I'm to enter the world this way. And not just a woman, but a teenage girl, a family that is, for all practical purposes, in poverty, Mom's a teenager, dad's a carpenter, neither one has any parental experience. That's, what, that's how you're gonna bring Jesus into the world? Yeah. Born in the most vulnerable and humble state of humanity. God's son leaves what is rightfully his to, to ultimately pay the price for us. God the Father not only sent his son to walk in humility and then therefore humiliation, but physical suffering and even death. That's what our adoption cost. God sent forth his son. It was costly. It was incredibly inconvenient. And, and, and really, when we look at the cross, uncomfortable is really too light a word, isn't it? It was way more than uncomfortable. And so we can... We can, we can jointly declare together that our adoption was in fact costly, right? It was costly. I want to look at two other things, and this is, I would say, for me, what has awakened my heart more than anything this week. Adoption is the free gift of sonship. And, and by that, we also mean daughtership. As a recipient of what God has done for me, it all came to me as a free gift, okay? So God as a prospective parent for me as a child wasn't contingent on how my behavior chart went for the week. Thank God, right? I wasn't earning enough stars to kind of earn my way into God's favor that he might choose me as an adopted son, right? I, I, can't, I can't be smart enough, good looking enough, obedient enough, 
worthy enough that you would look at my life and go, oh, that makes sense. I see why God adopted you. It'll never make sense. Because why? It was a completely a free gift. God came to me and he has come to you and said, not only are you not mine and in your own merits, right? You're not worthy to be called a son of God. And God says, that's, that's where I get to work and I choose you. Not for your worthiness, not for your star chart, not for your ability to climb the corporate ladder or, right? Not for what people think of you. I'm just choosing you. Me? Really? Yes. God has chosen you. It was a costly adoption. Initiated by God the Father. And he has given to you the free gift of sonship and daughtership. Now think about that. Only the prospective parent can do that. The child cannot do that for themselves. Right? I didn't do that for me. Matter of fact... I wasn't looking for a heavenly parent when God adopted me. I was chasing girls. I was 15 years old. Had the world by the tail. Knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. Knew what I wanted to do for a living. I was living life about me. I was not looking for a prospective parent. Matter of fact, I was on my way out of the house to get as far away from parents as I could get. And that's when God the Father awakened my heart and gave me the free gift of sonship. And then this last point I wanna make about adoption before we talk about what it means for us is this, that adoption is more about God and the orphan than the parent. Adoption here on earth is more about God and the orphan than it is about the parent. Now let me share my struggle with you in that. So. Um, Hallie and I, my wife and I, for, for years have wrestled through what our role is to be in caring for orphans. And there's times where we've prayed diligently, nightly, God, would you have us adopt? There have been other seasons where um, maybe we weren't as diligent in praying for it. But I'll say this up front, so you know, that I think a lot of our struggle early on, at least for me, was that it was always about us. It was always about us. What kind, what kind of parents are you calling us to be? Do you want us to be parents to the orphans? And it was all about what we had room for in our life and in our agenda and in our home and in our budget. And we primarily addressed this topic of adoption from a very selfish perspective. I'm just laying that before you in honesty. But what I've learned from the scriptures is that adoption, like marriage, is not about you. One of the most profound, game-changing truths you can learn about your marriage is that it's not about you. And when that truth clicks and it resounds in your heart, all of a sudden a light bulb goes off and you go, no wonder I haven't been able to be happy by pursuing this marriage thing. It's not about my happiness. I'm not looking for my sense of self-worth and joy from this person. Wow, light bulb goes off, right? Holy cow, now, now I get it. This, this marriage is about reflecting a greater truth, a greater reality. I'm supposed to love my wife the way Jesus loved the church, not in proportion to how worthy she is. She's to follow my leadership, right? And in proportion as a reflection of how the church follows Christ, not 
Not according to how awesome I am as a leader. It's about him, not about us. And then we, then we look at adoption. We realize that same truth is at the heart of adoption. It is more about God and the orphan than it is about me. Adoption, as we see in the text this morning, is a beautiful, unmistakable reflection of the gospel. When a family engages in caring for orphans on any level, they are also engaging in reflecting, bearing the image of God here on earth. Adoption is more about God and the orphan than it is about the prospective parent. Now, here's, what's, uh, here's what I want to say to you today. I am overwhelmed with joy because of um, the number of families we have in our church who are already engaged in caring for orphans on some level. Okay? And, and so we're going to talk about that for just a minute, that it's not only adoption. That is obviously a response that we could have. We have been adopted, therefore we could consider adopting somebody who doesn't have a home or a set of parents, therefore love, nourishment, what they need, okay? Adoption is definitely something we should be considering. Um, you can care for orphans by being engaged in the Christmas store. There are a lot of ways to be engaged in caring for orphans. So let's, we're not just talking about adoption, okay? What, what I want to share with you is it, just in our church, um, I think Brian Lamb and I counted among just our members, we have five, at least five families and more beyond our, just beyond our members who are already engaged in adoption or foster or foster to adopt here at the church. Um, I'm going to share with you just a testimony from one of those, um, one of those families. And, uh, and, and, and I want us to begin thinking about this. Okay, so God is clearly adopted us. So the primary question is, God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? Um, would you ask us to be a family that would consider adoption? Would you ask us to be a family that considers foster care? Would you ask us to be a family that engages in supporting families who are doing that? Would you ask us to be a family that engages in volunteering at group homes and, and just engaging on some level? Let me just share with you uh, just a few words of testimony from the heart of the Lowry family. This is from Chris and Shelby Lowry. These are Shelby, Shelby's words. Uh, Brian Lamb asked her just about why it's important to be engaged in caring for orphans and what it has meant for their family. And here are a few of their statements. Shelby writes, I believe each day as a true believer, our desire, to be more, <clears throat> our desire is to be more like Jesus. We must look at who Jesus really was and see how our life reflects not a little, but a lot of Jesus. Jesus cared for the least of these in his time on earth. He lived as they lived, caring for them and giving them hope. As a believer in God, he took me in. And when we really and truly see all that God has done for us, it should compel us to want to do for others. Speaking about orphans, these children are among the most vulnerable. We are clearly called to love and care for them. Why do we ignore it? We are not meant to live cushy lives. They produce nothing eternal. But stepping out in faith, trusting that God knows what he is talking about by telling us to care for these kids allows us to live our faith out loud. 
It allows us to fully rely on God because we will never be enough for these kids. Can we really be a believer of God if we don't trust his words? We were adopted as sons and daughters into his kingdom. Why wouldn't we want to give a child that same love? God's love should change us and move us to do big, crazy, amazing things. We need to stop living through other people's stories and start living our own. There are missionaries needed here in our own city. What would it say about the church if we came together and did, a, did something radical and crazy? And just a few more words about the impact that this has had on the Lowry family. As far as what it has done for our family, it has stripped Chris and I of, our, of all of our comforts. It has had us at the feet of Jesus daily, if not hourly. It has revealed the power of God and seeing him work as we take his promises seriously. Each moment, fully relying on God and walking out our faith. Now, there's just a few words of testimony from somebody, an active family engaged in, in orphan care. Um, this evening at 4 o'clock, we're going to be hosting um, an orphan care seminar, just giving out information for how you as the church can get involved. Um, obviously, there is the, the topic of adoption. And, and when we think about adoption, we think, you know, one of the primary obstacles and barriers is what? It's costly, right? We have to think about where would, where would we, do we have enough room in our house? Do we have enough money in our budget? Will we be able to pull this thing off? And that, that is something I think that every family should at least consider at some point. If it's not adoption, maybe foster. You know, foster is a temporary scenario where, where kiddos are in a rough situation. Uh, you know, more than likely, it's, a, it's an unsafe and unhealthy environment. They're temporarily pulled out of that home and placed into a loving, caring home while the family gets things together. And the ultimate purpose is to reunite those kiddos with mom and dad and to see that family restored. Maybe that would be what God would call you to consider. Um, we're gonna go over this afternoon in this seminar tons of other options for you to engage in beyond that. Let me just list a few examples just to get your mind thinking. Um, uh, respite care is really important. So like if a family needs to take a vacation, they need any kind of break at all, these kiddos can't just go stay with anybody. Okay, as you can imagine, if they're in the foster system, they've been pulled out of a, of, a, of a dangerous, horrible situation, more than likely. And so they're very cautious on who gets to watch these kiddos. Rightly so. But you have to be licensed to do that. And so maybe that would be something God would call you to do. Hey, let's... You know, once a year, let's just, let's engage a family that's in the foster care uh, ministry and let's see if we could, we could just give them a break for a few days, a long weekend, a week of vacation. Um, babysitting, you can't just send these kiddos to any babysitter. The babysitters have to be trained and certified. So maybe that would be something you would consider, just getting in the system, getting trained and certified so that in a bind or any given moment, you could offer to babysit um, for, for a family of foster kiddos. Um, you can volunteer in group homes. You could become a CASA worker, um, which is where you advocate for kids in court cases. Um, you could connect with families um, that are engaged in this ministry in a, in, a, in a supportive role, like just taking kiddos to doctor's appointments, maybe providing a meal now and then, assisting financially, mowing the grass. I mean, if you can imagine, just anything is helpful and part of the full equation of caring for the orphans. 
And so there's just a few examples of things that different ways you could get involved in, again, living out the glory of God in your life in a practical way, reflecting the heart of the Father in caring for the fatherless. I hope that we have a good show a showing this afternoon at four o'clock when we come back together. Brian Lamb, uh, Darren Shaddix, um, Chandler Sparks are gonna be presenting to you um, a lot of data and information, just practically how you can get involved. Brian Lamb told me that you're gonna hear some amazing stories. So that's gonna be part of it as well. Four o'clock here today, I hope you'll come back and, and be a part of that. I was asking for some stats and the stat that, that kind of overwhelmed me is that there are over 13,000 kids in the foster system in Texas and there are over 27,000 Christian churches. So that means if just one family from every two churches would engage in foster care, we wouldn't need a foster system. Not two families from each church, one family from every two churches. So this is a, a doable equation, what God's calling us to. To either engage in adoption or foster care or supporting those who are cheering them on, getting in the trenches with them, helping take care of just basic practical things so they can continue serving and loving the orphans well. But here's what we have to hear today. You have to hear this. You should not get engaged in orphan care because you feel sorry for kids. Let me say that again. Feeling sorry for kids is not the right motive for engaging in orphan care. That's the way the world tries to sell it, right? They roll some video footage of the harshest condition that they can find a little undressed kiddo in, and then they drop in some sad music and they make a commercial attempting to guilt and shame you into sending money or adopting or fostering or getting engaged. That is not the heart of our father, okay? So first and foremost, that is not our motive. We should not engage in orphan care because we feel sorry for kids. We should engage in orphan care because we have been adopted. You have been adopted. You have been adopted. You have been given sonship and daughtership, a free gift. And it was, I learned about adoption as a young kiddo um, my mom and her sister were adopted back in the 50s. Uh, two different situations and scenarios, both um, young parents, by young, I mean teenagers, uh, got pregnant. Rather than choosing abortion, they choose to have their babies and give them up for adoption. And so um, my mom's adopted parents, who could not have children, but wanted to express the love of God in raising children, um, chose to give the gift of daughtership to two baby girls. And so I learned about it from a young, young age. My mom would show me the pictures of when they brought her home from the hospital. And it was just a part, it's always been a part of our story. And I think about, you know, that simple decision. What a sacrifice from a mom to say, you know what, rather than choosing abortion, I'm gonna choose to go through the full process, the sacrifice, the pain of bringing this child into the world, right? trusting that somebody might adopt her. I wouldn't be here today. I would not be here today had my grandparents not chosen to give that gift to my mom.
So I want you to, to think about that. This, these, are, these are real children right now in our city. They can't choose you. They can't. You have to choose them. I want to, um, I want to lead us in a time of prayer now and invite our worship team to come back up. I want to give you a time to think about, first and foremost, I think, the main thing this morning I would like for us to do is to consider our own adoption. Okay? First and foremost, this is not a call to, to, an, to an action. Um, I'm simply, from the scriptures, inviting you to consider what we have received. Can we do that together? I want to lead us now in a time of prayer. If you would just take a moment um, to think about where you would be if God had not intervened in your life and chosen you. Just allow your mind to run for a minute. Where would you be right now? Where would you be physically? Where would you be emotionally? Where would you be on the spectrum between hope and despair if God had not first adopted you? And as you think about that, my encouragement to us all is to allow our hearts to then shift to gratitude. And I want to invite you now just in your own hearts to pray and thank God for his adoption of you. Could you do that? This morning, we are so thankful that you are not only our God, but you're also our Father. And as we just read in Galatians 4, you've given us the free gift of calling you Daddy. And God, what a costly price you have paid, God, to adopt us. morning, God, our hearts are filled with gratitude. God, would you now begin to speak to each one of us? God, would you answer the simple question, what would you have me do? speaks to you this morning, I'm going to also let you know that if you're here today, and maybe for the first time, or maybe you've known for a while, that you haven't become part of God's family, I want you to know that that free gift of adoption is on the table for you right now. And you don't have to Bring God your report card. You don't have to fill out a behavioral chart. You don't have to be a good little boy or girl 
to enter God's family. All you have to do is trust in Jesus. The promise of the gospel is that when we trust in what Jesus has done for us, we become a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And today God is inviting you into that relationship by simply trusting that Jesus has died for your sins. He has risen from the grave to give you eternal life and adoption. Father, thank you for your love for us. We ask now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and guide us as we prepare to respond. We pray these things in Jesus' name.